are here with Adrian Barbeau. Now, I've wanted you on the show for a very long time because we worked together yes. on AJ and the Queen. I was so happy to be there with you. I was, I'm so impressed with that show and with your work and Izzy's work. Uh-huh. And uh, You were fabulous. I've seen, you know, I had to do ADR on that scene. Did you do ADR on that scene? No. No, yeah. Um, uh, ADR, for you guys who don't know, I think it stands for Additional Dialogue l- Recording. Recording. Re- recording or yeah. Replacement? Replacement? Something, sure. something. One something. of those. As, <laughs> well, or <by> audio, di- <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, I wasn't ready for the staging. Uh-huh. And it was dark and I looked literally went right into the coffee Staging where? The house is beautifully staged. Oh, well, it's not, you know, there's that bathroom right there in the foyer. Oh, no, I went to the one, and, oh, the, and okay. the coffee table is Lucite. Yes. And it was dark. Yeah, oh, we are, I thought my shin. We're recording in my house, okay. and uh, uh, she's talking about staging the house, because I'm selling this yes. house. Yes, well, she wasn't ready for the staging. <laughs> and she walked into a dark room, and there was a Lucite coffee table. Oh, my goodness. And my shin is going to look pretty tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Adrian, um, uh, you know, when I walked into the table reading, and I saw that you were playing the role, I was gobsmacked, oh. because I've been a fan. <laughs> for so long, obviously starting from Maine, but Michelle says that uh, you started on Broadway in, uh, what was it? Well, I was talking, my favorite thing, uh, there's a, a lot, Adrian Barbeau has yeah. done so many things, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, was it Grease? Sh- creep show, yes. No, she, Were you she, in Grease? I was the original, the original Rizzo. Rizzo. You're the yeah. original Rizzo in, in, in Grease. Grease. When, when did before that... that, I was with Bette Midler uh, in Fiddler on the Roof. We were, really? We were sisters. In New York. Which in sister New York? did you play? I was Huddle. Huddle. Oh, the middle Huddle. sister. And Bette was Seidel. <gasps> Yay! And oh, John Savage. Yes, John Savage. John Savage yeah. was Fiedka. This oh, was... A, wow. This, and this was a, all replacement actors. I mean, the original people Who were was even, Fiddler in your production? Harry Gauz. Oh, I love that. Wow. Who directed that? Well, Jerome Robbins... Directed the original right. yeah. show, and B Arthur played Maud. I mean, uh, played Maud. Uh-huh. She sure did. She played uh-huh. Yenta in in the same production that you were in. She was in. A, she left before I joined it. Uh-huh. B B left right after they opened. I think yeah. she and Jerry. I think she and Jerry didn't get along or something. But. Jerry Sachs or Jerry, Jerry Robbins. Jerome Jerry, Robbins. Jerome Robbins. Yeah. I see. Yeah, because yeah, she was married to she Gene was ma- Sachs. Married to Gene Sachs. Yes. yes. Okay, so so before you did Maud, you had known her for how many years? Actually, she had left Fiddler okay. long, and so I met her when I showed up to, you know, for, for the Maud. first day of rehearsal for Maud. Oh. And did she, so was the, getting the, the role as Maud's daughter, was that a long process, or were you chosen immediately? No, it was... Um, because of because of Greece, I was nominated for a Tony, and Norman Lear, I think Norman Lear's casting director, came to see the show, mm-hmm. or Norman knew about me for for some reason, reviews or whatever, and so they called me in to meet him just in his office in New York, and the role had already been established with Marsha Rod playing. Maud's daughter oh, in the in pilot. The, oh, in the pilot yeah. or on All in the Family? Well, on both, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, I always get that confused. Yeah. I think on All in the Family, B came. Uh, she was. Uh, she was Edith's she, cousin. Edith's cousin, right. and she came for some <clears throat> other reason, right? Uh-huh. And her, the response to her was so overwhelming that CBS called Norman the next day and said, "Who is that girl? Get her, get her for us, uh-huh. you know." So then Norman 
persuaded bee who really didn't want to come to California, I don't think, but mm. loved Norman, mm-hmm. um, to do the pilot. And that was the episode where, where Marsha played I see. Bee's daughter. Yeah. Whether somebody was getting married or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, it's no, been so long. No, it's been a long time. But they were having to replace Marsha. I think she didn't want to move to the West Coast and for whatever reason. So, so they brought me in. But the character had been established as having a seven-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And at the time... I mean, I was too old to be playing a teenager on Greece, but <laughs> Norman said, you know, you don't look old enough to have a seven-year-old son. So I thought, okay, thank you. That's the end of that. Mm-hmm. You know, went mm-hmm. back to work. Yeah. And about a month later, my new agent, I never had an agent all the years I was in New York until after I was nominated for the Tony, uh-huh. um, showed up at the theater. I, what are you doing here? It's a Saturday. He said, they want you in L.A., on Monday to or on Tuesday to audition for the role. They've seen 400 people in LA. They can't find what they want. They want you there. And so fortunately, my producers and my understudy allowed me to come to LA. Mm-hmm. I auditioned very badly. I was very nervous. I didn't know mm. anything about television. I'd never watched TV. I'd been on stage since I was 15. You mm-hmm. know, working at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed me the pilot. And then they had me audition again. And I, I just, oh. you know. Mm. And um, that was on a Tuesday. I flew back. And they said, we'll let you know by Friday if we're going to use you because I had to give two weeks notice sure. for, yeah. for Greece. Friday came and went. And Friday night at one in the morning, I got the call. Wow. They want you to start work two weeks later. Wow. And that's wow. how it happened. And wow. that's how it happened. Yeah. And that show ran for how long? Six years. We were still in the top 20, but B was going through a divorce, and mm-hmm. she wanted to go out while the scripts were still yeah. really quality, and, and she, didn't, you know, she didn't want to see it take a dive. Yeah. She just didn't want to do it anymore. She's an interesting person. That She was an interesting person, that B. Arthur, because, you know, first of all, for a theater actor to say, no, I don't want to go out to California. Mm-hmm. I'm happy yeah. on yeah. stage. Yeah. Doing shows a week, yeah. killing myself <laughs> yes. for very little money. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then she comes out, and she's a, it's an overnight sensation. Yes. It was a hit yes. right out of the gate. And then, uh, you know, similar story for uh, Golden Girls, too, which is, which is the series she did not after Maud, but right after the series she did. She did something called Amanda by the Sea, <clears throat> which was a series um, uh, that didn't, didn't really happen. But uh, it, she, it was this woman, Amanda, had a... Did she lived by the sea? She lived by the sea, and she had a bed and breakfast. Did you not know this? I did not know this. Yeah, this yeah. is sort of murder she wrote for Angela, right? Is that, <laughs> uh, you're kidding. No, Amanda's by the Sea was not a hit. And you can actually see episodes of it on YouTube. It's there. But after after Amanda, she went on to The Golden, the Golden Girls, Girls, which was, yeah. of course, a big hit. And they had to keep talking her into staying on the show, she she relented and did seven seasons. But uh, she she made the choice to leave that really? show. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like, when I'm over it, I'm over it. I guess so. I mean, she's so, I guess someone who knows what she wants. What yeah. was your impression of B. Arthur and all? Were you friends? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I loved her dearly. Um, and you know, Rue, I never appreciated 
how special she was and how special the whole experience on Maud was until, because it was my first TV show. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I thought everybody showed up to work on time Uh and knew their lines and, you know, uh, was professional and, and, and incredibly talented until I started (laughs) guest starring on other shows and all of a sudden what do you mean he's right. gone off to see his psychiatrist right. and, you know, and he's not here, whatever, you yeah. know. But um, what was important to B, B was not a diva, as you, I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. in any way. What was important to her was that the show was the best it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And she was so giving. We, we'd have a table read, as mm-hmm. you know, and she would be the first one to say, you know, this line might work better or it might be funnier if Connie said it or Aidy said it or, mm-hmm. or Bill, you know. Mm-hmm. She was so giving the first one at the table read to jump up and greet a guest mm-hmm. performer, even mm-hmm. if they were just had four lines, but they were coming to the table read, you know. The last one to leave the dress, the rehearsals mm-hmm. at night. Mm. She didn't suffer fools. Yes. If you didn't. You know, if she didn't like what you were doing or you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing, she made it known. But she was just, um, and she said, I mean, we were all theater actors, so everybody was, you know, we were there to do the work and we were professional and we had come from that background. But she set the tone. Oh, boy, did she ever. It was a wonderful six years. Just groundbreaking. I mean, some of the topics that they they covered on that show, like even her facelift, her abortion. Abortion. The abortion. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. And it's just, and the fact that Norman Lear is still with us today. Yes. When's the last time you saw him? The last time I saw him was about six months ago. AARP was (laughs) giving him an award, and, oh, oh, they have a... Movies for adults or mm. something? I, I, mm-hmm. I can't remember what mm-hmm. it was. Anyway, that was the last time I saw him. But then, you know, he was just on television about a month ago with that, um, the thing he did with Jimmy Kimmel where they... Yes, they, they did, did the live versions yeah. of some of his yeah. shows. You know, yeah. people listening, young people, they have no idea the impact that no, man has had not on not just television, but on our, our culture. Yeah. yeah, you know, and uh, uh, those shows were so revolutionary. The topics, everything. Were th- was there anything in the script that you were, were given on, on Maud that you thought, you know, I can't do this. I'm sorry, I'm, I just can't do this. No, never. I mean, I was... If anything, it brought me to my uh, to my understanding of, of what it was that I cared about and what I was that I believed in. Because I think up until Maud, I was, you know, I was an actress trying to get have a career. I was, you know, it was all about doing the work and all of that. And I wasn't, you know, the Vietnam War sort of passed me by, mm-hmm. and uh, Woodstock sort of passed me by, mm-hmm. and. Um, I wasn't an activist in any way, uh, but doing those shows and working with Norman and and being the recipient of the media's thought process, which was, you know, suddenly we became spokespersons yes. for sure. for everything we were doing, and. Um, 
I know it was hard for Carol O'Connor doing Archie mm-hmm. because there was such a dichotomy between his That's right. belief system and the character he was yeah. playing. But for me, I just took it for granted. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd had a strong mother, uh, you know, I, who was divorced, and, and so I was dealing with all of those things. And I never, until probably five or six years ago, when I started doing the... Um, autograph conventions, Mm -hmm. the horror conventions, Mm -hmm. all of that. And women and men have come up to me now and said, your character, it wasn't me, but your character. Carol, Maud's daughter. Carol, Maud's daughter, showed me how I could be in the world Mm -hmm. because there was nobody who was... Uh, maybe gay or, or you know, wanted to be single or divorced. Or what, what there were no strong women on television. Right. No one I could pattern myself after. I, had, I remember one fellow came up and said, you know, I never knew until I watched your show that people could yell at each other and be angry at each other and still love each other yeah. because we didn't have that in our family, right. you know. right. Um, yeah, because Carol was living at home with her mother. She was uh, she had a child. I think she was uh, divorced. The kid was yeah. uh, eight or ten yeah. years old. Yeah, she was divorced, living at home with her mother. Did they say um, why Carol was living at home with her mother? Was it because of the divorce, or was it because rent was too high in Tuckahoe, New York? <laughs> <laughs> Probably that's part of it. You know, they never said, um, or I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Let's go back and vi- revisit it. Yeah, I don't well, think I don't think it was ever. I don't dealt think so with. either. She just happened was. to be there, and it was yeah. understood that Carol yeah. was divorced, I living with her with, kid, yeah. with her mom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so, no, we, we have so much to talk about. You mentioned the uh, the horror conventions because we have the whole John Carpenter uh, part of your career that we're going <laughs> to talk about. One of about. my favorite. Uh, we also you we, you mentioned uh, uh, Murder She Wrote. I want to talk about your <laughs> <laughs> episodes. You did two episodes. I did. Two. Two episodes. Of Murder, She Wrote. Uh, and, and one of them, uh, J.B. Jailbird, where you play basically Rizzo again. You play this, uh, the queen pin of this prison, the female prison. What I was really playing, I had just finished doing a Tom Ion play called Women Behind Bars uh-huh. oh, yeah. at the Roxy Theater here uh-huh. on Sunset, uh-huh. right? And uh, when I look at that murder she wrote now, I think, oh, my God, you know, I was acting for the back row. I mean, I was so big. And I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I saw your murder she wrote. You loved it. And I think, oh, my God. I'm just cringing. Really? Honestly, it's fabulous. Maybe I should go back and look at it It again. It is fabulous. (laughs) What was the other episode you did? It was something about a tele... I was a television producer or something. I don't... Oh, I would know. I mean, I'm just trying to remember. You're a fan. I'm a big fan. I watch it over and over. And for people... It it was... um, yeah, um, I'll, I'll look it up. I don't but remember that It one is at all. streaming right now on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is doing a great... Oh, our producer has the... What's is Maud the, anywhere? 
Maud is well. I have it on DVD. But it, it's on Hulu. I think or? it may be on Hulu. I think so. I would so. love to binge. Really? Yeah, it's I, it's on the um, like We TV or uh-huh. uh, the older channels, uh, like the ones yeah, that show the, the shows and the free right yeah, cable. broadcasting. But yeah. um, it's all about the streaming now, Adrian. I know. You know. I know. Our In producer- fact, I just did you know an episode of Swamp Thing for oh, yeah. DC Universe. Yeah, that's right. It's which come got back. Incredible reviews. Yes, they canceled it. And it has to do, I think, it has to do with one of the, with Warner Brothers or, I, I don't know, AT&T, but it had to do with them wanting to start another um, streaming. Yes. They're starting their Warner own Brothers thing? has the their office. own streaming. Yeah. You saw that? Yes, yes. Because yeah. they're pulling that yeah. Yeah. for there. Alex, what's the episode, the other episode? So there's two. There's Jessica Behind Bars. Yes. yes. Prison, and then the other one is The Bottom Line is Murder, when a lying TV consumer advocate is killed and suspicion lands on one of the clients whose products he lied. Right, uh, um, right. That's and who right. And who was in that who one? Who else was in it? Um... <laughs> Judith Chapman. Uh huh. I know she's a soap opera actress. Barry Corbin. Yes, Barry, Barry Corbin. Corbin. Yeah. Okay. Pat Klaus. Pat Klaus. I remember. Uh, yeah, and uh, Robert F. Lyons. Uh huh. No. Rod McCary. Rod McCary. Rod McCary. Uh huh. Go on. Joe oh. Santos. Joe Santos, Joe Santos, yes. Yeah. George Takei was in this one. Who? George, George Takei. Oh, was great. he really? Uh, see? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. learned something new every day. I didn't know I had worked with George. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to a break. We've got Adrian Barbeau here, and uh, we have so much to talk about. We'll be right back after this. Oh, my God. Summer is here, Michelle. And we're queer. Get used to it. <laughs> you know, I, it's, t- it's time to talk about MeUndies. You okay. know, MeUndies is such a great, great product, and it is summertime. So summertime means uh, barbecues, vacations, beach days, and MeUndies. I was literally talking to Ross and Carson, I'm not kidding, two of my favorite people about one of my favorite subjects, which is MeUndies. I was explaining to them, I remembered from doing these commercials that it was micro-modal. Uh-huh. And Carson was like, oh, of course they're soft. Modal's like a really soft fabric. I was like, I didn't even know modal was real uh-huh. until we did these commercials. But yeah, my daughter, Lily... I, I think I've said this before, but she emailed me and said, can you please buy me some more MeUndies? Yes, I remember when she called. She loves them MeUndies. It's her favorite thing in the world because they use that micro-modal fabric, which is a full three times softer than boring old cotton. And it's so comfortable. Come Honestly, on. Honestly, it's really, really good. And Rue, they have a great offer for our listeners. Are you ready? Okay. For the first time purchasers, when you purchase any MeUndies product, you get 15% off and free shipping. Wow. And you guys can look out for new summer theme prints dropping every Tuesday. I got these little mermaid and mermaid man print, little uh-huh. pineapple The pineapples. Pants. So cute. They also have the lounge pants that we love. I love those lounge pants. I'm I am serious. You, dead serious. So good. Love them so much. So like we said, for first time purchasers, 15% off and free shipping, 15% off your first pair, free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to meundies.com slash RuPaul. That's meundies.com slash RuPaul. Squarespace, the place to go when you want to make a website on your own with nobody trying to tell you what to do. You can do it on your own because the sisters are doing it for who? Themselves. That's right. You go to Squarespace, honey. Uh, Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Gorgeous even. (laughs) A website made by who? By you. Uh Uh-huh. And that's all you got to do is go to Squarespace. You know what I'm saying, Michelle? Uh, I know what you're saying. And when you're ready to purchase a plan, get 10% off with the offer code RUE. That's squarespace.com, offer code RU. We are back. We're talking to Adrienne Barbeau. We're talking about mods yeah. still. Yeah, I can. It's just such an iconic show. 
And it was how American audiences got to know the great B. Arthur, who actually never left our consciousness. In fact, in my phone, I still have her phone number in there. I, oh. I, I, I don't. I don't want to erase it. I understand. Are you that way? With- I understand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you were going to tell yeah. a story about when Oh, you- no. Yeah. Michelle was saying uh, her, her Jewish household, everybody sat down to watch it. When, we, when I showed up for work the first weeks or so, they wanted me to dye my hair because they thought we all looked too ethnic. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? Yes. Mm. So they took me to, it was called Cinema Hairstylists on Sunset or Hollywood uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. or something. All these elderly old ladies, uh-huh. you know, who had been doing hair in the studios for years, and they put a soap cap on my hair. Uh-huh. Do you know right. what that is? Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, my hair turned the color of your sofa. Oh, <laughs> really? no. Bright orange. Because oh, wow. <laughs> it's Armenian hair. Wow. I mean, you, know, you can't put bleach on it and expect it to, you know, come up blonde. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, because a lot of the humor, a lot of the writers uh, were Jewish writers and they come from the Borscht Belt, the whole um, mm-hmm. uh, our show of shows sort of mentality. Did they ever say that uh, Maud was Jewish? No. They never no. did. No. We, because she was uh, Edith's cousin and Edith was Irish Catholic, yeah, but I guess. Arthur, and but I think that it was no, I don't, and you know, that's the only topic I don't remember that we ever dealt with religion. Mm-hmm. I don't remember huh. anything specific mm. manic depression, gay rights, mm-hmm. um, malpractice, the abortion, certainly, yes, the, the, facelift. the facelift, psychiatry. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. That, that's interesting. It is interesting. Uh, I, I know that on the Golden Girls, they didn't want to make them Jewish. They want, they made them Italian because uh, mm. uh, they didn't want, they didn't want to, I, I guess they just didn't want to get into it. Were they all mm-hmm. Italian? No, I never, no. Uh, I, Sophia, Sophia, Sophia Patrillo and Ma and, uh, and B. B. Arthur. But not, not Rue. No. no. And not Betty. No. 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 Yeah, yeah. And okay, so uh, uh, let's just talk about um, uh, Miss Jessica Fletcher for a minute, Angela <laughs> Lansbury. Do you remember working with her and her work ethic? I do remember working with her. I don't know if I worked with her after I met her because she did she was um, good, good friends with B. With Arthur. B yeah. and I went to the set when they were doing Mame Mame uh-huh. right? oh, yeah. wow. on Broadway yeah <clears throat> yeah uh, and because she, B, did, B she, did the movie with uh, Lucille, Lucille Ball. Ball oh it was with Lucy <clears throat> right right yeah. so I don't remember if I met Angela before but she was lovely yeah I think one of the episodes I did and it was probably the prison break one was her son's first directorial uh, essay. Yes. Uh, you know, to, uh, and Anth- Anthony Shaw. Anthony Shaw, yes. yes. He did a lot of them. Yes. And that one hit, was his first one. So wow. I know she was, maybe she was, you know, like, like uh-huh. concerned that her, her son was, this was his first time out. And sure. she was keeping... Very, very supportive and just very lovely. Yeah, Avon Carlo is in that episode. Uh, 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 Lily Munster. Lily Lily, Lily Munster. Also, the Shug Avery. uh, What's her name? Um, Margaret. uh, Margaret. um, The one who played Shug Avery. Yeah, uh, Margaret. uh, Yeah, her. And isn't Mary Pat Gleason in that? Yes. Are yes. you researching? Yeah, Mary Pike. <laughs> I have to. I think. I'm so I slow. think. Um, uh, not Barbara Rush, but the other uh, Veronica. Um, no. Um, 
not Barbara Rush. No. But the other one who I get them confused all the time. Um, Veronica, she's in Alfred Hitchcock's... Um, Margaret Avery. Margaret Avery. Shug Avery. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what I said? No, but we should have known better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 who's the woman who's... I can in, see her face. Uh, she's in all of the Hitchcock movies. She's in, in Psycho. She plays um, Vivian Lee's... Vivian... Uh, not Vivian Lee. Janet Lee's sister. Um, anyway, anyway. What were we talking about? We're talking about <laughs> movie. Where are we going? <laughs> we're back on Women Behind Thank Bars. Thank you. Back on Women Behind Bars. Adrian, yeah, whatever yeah. it was called. I was yeah. like, where, Jessica where are and you? the Pistol. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Rue will go down that hole. Yeah. Yes. Where yeah. we're just naming names. We will just go down. We're going out, baby. I don't know where we are. Well, without my computer, it's, it's kind of well, hard. Well, tell me what you need. I'm well, here. Well, um, I got trigger fingers. Yeah. Uh, Alex, do you know? Who the other co-stars in Women Behind Bars? Whatever is. it was called, it yeah. wasn't called. Jessica. I think Jessica. it's J.B. Jailbird, or was it Jessica? Jessica Behind Bars or something? Jessica Behind. Remember, it's you just looked it up. I could just see her face. You're talking about Women Behind Bars. You're talking about her episode. No, we're talking about her episode of um, of Murder Adrian's, She Wrote. Yes. <laughs> Jessica Behind Bars. It's yes. called Jessica yes. Behind yes. Bars. It was Margaret Avery. Uh huh. Barbara Baxley. Barbara Baxley, that's, yeah. Oh, oh, she's that fabulous that, actress yes. who was in Nashville. Yes, yes. But that's not who you're thinking. No, it's not who I'm thinking um, of. Yvonne DiCarlo, Yvonne Kel- Di- Linda Kelsey, Linda Kelsey Linda with Kelsey. the red hair. She's fabulous. Janet McClanahan. That's the black McLaughlin. woman who who was on who was on Murder She Wrote. Uh, she was just a fabulous uh, TV actress who was in everything. Jan from the Brady Bunch. Eve Plum. Eve Plum. That's right. Susan Oliver. Susan, Susan Oliver, Oliver, yes, who was in all the Star Treks. Vera fabulous. Miles. Vera, Vera Miles. Miles. That's who I was okay, thinking of. <laughs> Vera Miles. We get to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, a fabulous. I think episode. Barbara Rush did a mod. Is, is, or am I, who am I thinking of? Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah because of some high society You know, lady. I'm going to tell you one more, one more mod story uh, that you, you might appreciate because, <laughs> of course, now I'm, did his name just go out of my head? That's right. Oh, we'll right. help you, yeah. We're here to help. It was the first season. He wore red socks. Uh, blonde. Uh, Van, Van, Van Johnson. Van Johnson. Uh-huh. Van Johnson came to do the show with his red socks. And, um, I mean, he was a movie star, yeah. right? He'd, I don't know if he'd ever done TV before. And uh, he got so angry if anybody was speaking speaking or walking on the set while he was trying to to do his work. I, mm. I, and I mean, I was it, it was all very new to me, and yeah. I was just like, you know, and I think he needed cue cards. I'm uh-huh. not sure. Uh-huh. I believe he's the one who needed cue cards, but it was, I, I, and I've always remembered that. Who, who is this man with the red socks? And uh, He got upset because while rehearsing or while... Or while filming. Okay, now I don't want to. Well, no, it's interesting. I don't want to betray because, him. You know, Let me as, see. as you well know, you know, having done AJ and the Queen, and it was it was a five month shoot, and I had so many, so much dialogue to learn night after night after night, and uh, I had some real heartfelt scenes to do. And right before the director yelled, "Action!" You know, they're hammering above me, and their <laughs> people are saying, "Come on, coming, fiddling with my costume, or or." doing something to make up and I'm trying to remember and then I've got a 10 year old kid who's saying Rue hold your hand out let me let's, <laughs> yeah. hold your hand out let's play this game let's play this game <laughs> so there's the, there's all this how do you how do you focus like Van Johnson how do you focus right before you're about to get into it mm-hmm. what do you do what 
I think now that now that you mentioned this, it was during rehearsals that he got upset because once we started filming, we filmed like a play. Mm. So you've got your audience and you're just doing it straight mm -hmm. through like a play. So there wasn't any. But um, that's an interesting question. I think it's something I take for granted now. Do you ever pull a Van Johnson and say, no. you sons of bitches, no. shut up? No, sometimes you're, you're in the middle of a scene and, and people are talking and yeah. you're recording. And so you're thinking to yourself, well, are they going to pull the plug? Right. Or do I say, sorry, guys, it's, I mean, I can't hear. So, you know. Obviously, you can't use the tape. Right. But um, everybody, I guess everyone has their own techniques, what they do. I'm pretty much... I don't want to give you a, a fluff answer. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> um, I guess I just, I, I'm just concentrated on... Yeah the person I'm working with and, you know, what I'm saying to them and I'm not too aware. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a balancing act because you have to be aware, especially if, sure. you're, if you, you need to wait for the camera to get yeah. a certain, you know, and you've yeah. got to have your... So it, it's... Yeah. You did a great job. I mean, I was never aware that, you know... Uh, well, you know, in my scenes with you, uh, I don't think I... I, uh, I, there, I don't think there was too much... Uh, distraction going on because we were in we were in a small room uh, for our, most most of our, our big scene and then in this garage so it was easy but I had a scene where um, my friend I'm waiting to find out what's the fate of my friend and the doctor comes to tell me some bad news and uh, and I had a lot of emotions surrounding I had an idea of what I wanted to do in my head which is always a mistake yes uh, yes it is yeah <laughs> And, but, you know, right before we went on, they are literally hammering above my head right before. Act, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Well, someone told me, uh, uh, gave me some great advice. It's like, you don't have to start until you're ready. Mm -hmm. They can yell action all, the, all they want. But you, when you are ready, then you start, you know. So that's, that's one thing. Now, and the other things you can do is, is say, can we hold that until after the scene? Yeah. Or... Go off somewhere else. Sure, you know? that's another great thing. But you did, one of the things you said, I had an idea in my head of what I wanted to do. I think sometimes that is that leads you astray because there may be so much other stuff yeah. that comes up that, ha you know, I mean, some people hear that their friend has been killed and maybe they start laughing. Exactly. You know? A lot of people so do that. So if you make a decision, oh, I want to get to, I want to yeah. get there, I want to get to tears or yeah. I want to get to this, or, uh, you're, you're cutting off a lot of yes. that flow, the flow. just letting it come up from, B always said, somebody say, how, you know, how, what makes you, how do you act or whatever. You just say the words like you mean them. <laughs> and the older I get, the more I think, yeah, you know what? I mean, sure, you make your decisions of how you feel about what's being said, or but then you just say the words like you mean them. Isn't that the story with, wasn't it Olivier and Dustin Hoffman or uh, with Marathon Man, I could be saying the wrong uh, actor, and Dustin Hoffman's, you know, doing all this stuff as uh, a method actor, getting in, running all over the place, losing all this weight, doing, and then I think it was Olivier who said to my dear, why don't you just act? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just not like, we had, we, oh. <laughs> right. 
Our director on Maud, a fellow named Hal Cooper. Oh, wow, the yeah. great Hal Cooper, Hal Cooper, yes. he was fantastic. He was with us, you know, the whole six years. Yeah. Uh, we did a run-through, <laughs> and uh, something didn't go right. I, I, someone else has told me this story. I wasn't privy to it, but um, uh, I guess Hal said to one of the producers... You know, everybody's really tired. Uh, I think, you know, that that's why something didn't happen. And mm -hmm. whoever the producer was said, they're actors. Let them act not tired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where did you study? <laughs> On Broadway, apparently. <laughs> I, You know, I learned from doing. Yeah. I really did. I... Um, I started doing community theater in, in San Jose, California. Because mm -hmm. you're from Sacramento. I was born in Sacramento. Uh -huh. my, my, we, we moved all over the state, but we ended up in San Jose. And mm -hmm. so I started as a teenager doing community theater, all musicals. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a director who's, uh, the, the only director really, who, who, whose whole approach to doing musicals was pick up your cues, pick up your cues. Mm -hmm. So uh, years later, when I finally, okay, I'm going to, you know, I've got to, I got to New York, somebody said, study with Stella Adler. Mm -hmm. I did one week, one month with Stella Adler, and I hated it. Mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't, she didn't want to know from women in the class, first mm -hmm. of all, and the, the day she yelled at me for wearing a hat into class, I thought, you know what, this is, I'm not getting anything out of this, mm -hmm. and it was just all Stella, so mm -hmm. that was... Then I went to Strasbourg. I got into Strasbourg. I think I was there about three months, but I just, I didn't get it. And again, it was sort of political. Mm -hmm. If you weren't on Broadway, nobody wanted to do a scene with you. And yeah. I, so, so then I just stopped. And then, then I was doing Fiddler by that time and mm -hmm. sort of learning on stage. But then I went to Bill Hickey down at yes. the HB Studios. Yes. And um, my first scene was uh, The Days and Nights of B.B. Fenstermaker. It was a comedy. Mm. I think it was a comedy. Maybe it was a drama. Mm. <laughs> I don't remember now. But, you know, I had been trained, you know, to pick up your cues. Mm -hmm. So my scene partner says her line, and I pick up my cue. Mm -hmm. And she says her line, and I say my line, and she says her line. And then we finish the scene, and there's dead silence. And Bill said, you know, sometimes in life... We think before we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only <laughs> That's the only real piece of you know advice yeah. I got. And then I eventually I ended up with a fellow named Warren Robertson uh. who was doing a combination of Stanislavski and Alexander Lowen's uh bioenergetic techniques. Mm. Bioenergetics was a break-off of Reichian therapy mm -hmm. that involved physical exercises designed to get you in touch with yourself. Is this mm -hmm. the Alexander technique? Or no, is that different? no, okay. no, that's, that's, that's different. Um, designed to uh, give you... Uh, um, mechanisms to relax before you went into an audition or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was, it was a therapeutic, I mean, it was, you know, but, um, I remember we had a very well, well-known actor, a comedian, and all Warren wanted him to do was stand in front of the audience, 
just stand and face the audience and not speak, just, mm-hmm. you know, stand there. And this guy, he couldn't do it. Uh-huh. He had to move. He had to make, you know. Yeah. And so I, I, I sort of learned. And then when I came to L.A., I started actually, I started um, with a bioenergetic therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was, I, I got here and I was nervous. I was, you know, I didn't know who I was. Anyway, so all of that, I, I think, sort of went into the pot. But I think the only other really great lesson I learned about acting, I had been, it was 1978, so I had been doing mod for six years. I had been doing all kinds of TV movies, uh, you know, guest stars on everything. And I did a television film with a young film director named John Carpenter mm-hmm. uh, called Someone's Watching Me mm-hmm. with Lauren Hutton. Mm. And I played, I believe, the first lesbian on, in, in a, on television, at mm-hmm. least, on a television film. And we did the scene. It was the first day of, of shooting. And John came over to me and he said, that was great. That was great. Just do less. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? And he said, just do less. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, eight years of doing TV, suddenly the light bulb goes off and it's like, oh, I understand. Yeah. This is, you know, it's not big screen, but this is, it's not stage. Right. Just bring it down. And that was one God bless John. Yes, you know? great, great. And now you, you'll find me even now sometimes, especially like something like, well, it was after I did Jessica Behind Bars. Yeah, yeah. But there's, a, there's occasions. The only other time I, I, that didn't work in my favor was when I did Creep Show for George Romero. Which I love <laughs> so much. <laughs> and George favorite. kept saying, you can go bigger. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? That was yeah. the whole point of that movie. It was yeah. the whole point of well, that I'm movie. I'm going to talk about your movie career because <laughs> after meeting John Carpenter, your film career took off. And we're going to go to a break. We've got more Adrienne Barbeau right after this. Now, you know, I'm a big advocate of listening to something as you go to sleep mm-hmm. or something to sort of lull your brain, your busy, busy brain to sleep. And that's where calm is such a brilliant idea for everybody out there, really. Agreed fully. So what keeps you guys up at night? Thinking about the things you said that day, worrying about all your to-dos for tomorrow, an exam, whatever it is. Sometimes it's hard to stop that mental chatter just to get to sleep. That's why we are so excited to tell you about Calm. It's the number one app to help you meditate, sleep, and relax. Practices like meditation and prioritizing sleep can leave you feeling more rested so you have the energy to go out and achieve your goals. Now, if you go to calm.com slash rue, you'll get 25% off of Calm Premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programs, including guided meditation on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including brand new meditations each day called the Daily Calm. It's perfect to guide you in building a meditation habit. And something that they have that nobody else really does is called sleep stories. Basically, they're bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax before you doze off. Head into the lavender fields of France with Stephen Fry or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. It's so fantastic and so relaxing. I remember the first time I listened to him, I'm like, am I really about to listen to a bedtime story <laughs> at the age of 
50? Uh-huh. Well, it yes, works. it works. Just remember, this is a limited time offer just, just for our fabulous listeners. So go to calm.com slash rue right now for 25% off of a Calm subscription. That's C-A-L-M.com slash rue. Give yourself the gift of Calm. It might just change your life. We are back with Adrian Barbeau. A minute ago, you talked about John Carpenter, meeting him on a TV movie called mm-hmm. Someone is Watching Me with Lauren Hutton, yes. who I love. And uh, uh, had he done, and of course, eventually he went on to marry John Carpenter, yes. had yes. a child with yes. him, yes. and starred in, I don't know how many of his movies, yeah. The Fog, uh, 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 Escape, Escape from, from New, New York. York. and uh, I'm actually in the thing. <clears throat> In the thing, you're in the I thing. I am the voice of the computer, the oh, chess chess computer. I love that movie. That's, That's great. Yeah, <laughs> the only yeah. woman in the thing. <laughs> wow, it's funny. I I, I met him. Uh, uh, George and I went to Greece about uh, maybe four years ago, and he was on our flight. Oh, and you're I, yeah, kidding? Yeah, oh, and so, I. Oh, he was doing his concert. Uh, the 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 concert. The. His musical. Okay. Con- that's what In Greece. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Are you still My friends with him? My son was probably on that flight probably. too. Probably. Yes, yes. John and I are friends. Yeah. That's nice. How long were yeah. you married? We were, we were actually married 10 years, but we were only together five. Okay. We were together five. Yeah. And you have a son, Cody? Cody. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, so um, you, in 78, Maud ended. And is that the same time you met John Carpenter? Yes. Maud was... was I may have still been filming a, a couple of episodes of Maud, but it was, I think, April of of uh, 78 when he called me in to interview me. He wanted me to do this this role mm-hmm. in, in Someone's Watching Me. And um, that led to uh, our falling in love. And yeah. that led to my... In those days, Rue, if you... Um, and Michelle. <laughs> uh, if you were doing television... You couldn't get seen. That's right for a feature. That's right, right. because everybody felt like, hey, they can see her for free Tuesday nights. Yeah. Nobody's sure. going to pay to see her in the box office. Yeah. And had John not offered me the role of Stevie Wayne in The Fog, yeah. who knows how long it would have been? You know, I yeah. don't know. Nowadays, the fastest way to get a film career is to star on a TV show. Sure. But uh, yeah. in those days, and so I think the fact that John and I then were together. Emo- uh, emotionally, romantically, mm-hmm. and that my first feature was *The Fog*, which was a horror film or a ghost story, yeah. thriller, uh, thriller. Yeah, um, that sort of, you know, I well, I started out. I was a stage actress, then I was a sitcom comedian, then I was a TV actress, and then I was a horror actress. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, there's been all of these labels, and, and that broke away, and I did Did he also things, do but... Swamp Thing? No, that was Wes Craven. Wes Craven. That so, was Wes Craven. So The Fog opened you up to all of the, uh, uh, hor- the horror genre, and all of those directors wanted to work with you because of The Fog. Yes, I think so. I that think so, because too- George Romero, that was, that was a straight offer. I and that was Creep Show. Creep Show was George Romero. That was Creep Show. And I almost turned that one down because really? I didn't know who I didn't know. I don't watch horror films. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know who George Romero right. was. You know, John is telling me, "Are you kidding me? You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to work with you don't the George Romero. The yeah. George Romero." But I read the screenplay and it was gross. It was vile and it was mm-hmm. ooh, you know, it mm-hmm. was just and I didn't get it at all. And um, Tommy Atkins, who was the truck driver in um, The Fog, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, very close friend, um, 
I, I, Tom had already been cast in Creepshow, and I called Tom, and I said, you're going to do this movie? And he said, oh, Adrienne, you don't get it. It's going to be very stylized, very funny. It's a cartoon. It's, you, you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's one of the best things I've ever done in terms of just how much joy I got out of it and yeah. how much I love that character. And, yeah, yeah. And, and did your husband get jealous or envious of you working with other uh, oh, no. big directors no. like that? You know, because I mean, Wes Craven is in direct competition with right. John Carpenter. No, no, John came to the set. I mean, he was <clears throat> just so happy to, no, he, no, John would, he was not Never like that. Yeah. And, you know, it, for I know The Fog was remade a few years back, but if you haven't seen the original Fog, I watch it from time to time. The pacing of it is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, I, I, I think probably young people, I think when I saw it when I was younger, I didn't get it as much as I get it today. The rhythm of it. And it, it of course, stands to reason that John Carpenter is also a musician and, and does these yes. things because... The fog is musical. There is a uh, uh, a the rhythm cadence, to it right? that is yeah. just that actually creates the suspense. Which when's the last time you and saw he that? And he wrote the score. He wrote the score wrote to that too. He's done a lot that. of yeah. those. Yeah, yeah, a lot of his movies. Yeah. I saw a very bad print of it about three years ago. They had a you know a film festival, and they asked me to come and and do a Q and A and everything. And unfortunately, it was all sort of. Pink. Huh. I mean, it was a big, you know, in uh, a big thirty-five millimeter, yeah. seventy millimeter. But it 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 holds up. Yeah, it does hold up. So now, um, and then uh, I did Escape from New York for yes, John. Yeah, yes, yeah. which is so fabulous, so fabulous. So, uh, can you watch yourself? Are you okay with that? Um, <clears throat> depends on the project. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing AJ and the Queen. Yes, yes, you're fantastic. There's somewhere I, you know, I don't want to see this, Uh or I'll just, you know, watch my little piece to see if I really embarrassed myself or not, Uh and then I don't want to see the rest. And uh, there's some that I've done that I hope nobody ever sees, you know. (laughs) But um, I don't like to see go to a screening certainly for the first. I mean, I don't want to see myself. That's a lot to do. That giant screen, and you haven't seen, and you've got other people there yeah. and you don't know what's you know yeah. what no, ended you're up, absolutely right you know. you know but there's a part being a business person and being knowing that you're in the business of selling yourself you know there's a there's a uh, uh, sort of a detachment away from the project uh, from the product that you have to to take to um, be able to sustain a screening of yourself, you know. Now, you mentioned earlier that you've been going recently to the conventions, uh, the horror film conventions, because it's huge business. It is huge. You're just now starting to huge. do the no, conventions? No, I, I, I do maybe f- four or five at the most, and I've been doing them for a while, but it seems like in the last, what, five or six years, mm-hmm. they have become, I Exploded, mean... Exploded, yeah. It's a whole culture. Yeah. I actually used it. I, I, you know, I write a series. You know this. I, I mean, I wrote a series of vampire novels. Yeah. And the third one I put in a convention because there is so much there. Yes. It is so rich. The characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to talk gosh. about those vampire novels. But first, uh, the, uh, when, when you go to the conventions, what, which of your projects is the one that most people want to talk about? Is it Creepshow? Is it The Fog? It's interesting. They, each convention has its own personality. Um, and it's just in the last couple of years that 
that fans have realized that I was the voice of Catwoman for Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. So I've done a couple that have just been comic conventions where it's just been uh-huh. the cast of, of Batman and yeah. everything. So, of course, they... But um, it alternates. And maybe it has to do with the the part of the country. Mm-hmm. I just did, they did a Night of the Living Dead or a Living Dead weekend mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, which I did because I love Pittsburgh and Tom Atkins lives there and mm-hmm. I love to go see Tom. Mm-hmm. And, and so, of course, they were all buying uh, Creep, Creep Show, Show yeah. and Two Evil Eyes, which was another film I did with George Romero. Uh-huh. Um, not as, you know, not as well known, but... Um, did Creep Show do well at box office? Yes, it was huge. Yes, wasn't I it? believe it did. I know there was another one. The fog one, which... did not initially. I don't yeah. think the fog. It did not initially. Yeah, yeah. But now, but uh, you know, there's some. There are people who. I watch the fog once a month. Mm-hmm. Wow. I use the fog to go to sleep at night. Oh Every God. night I have it on. You know, it's like, mm. Mm. Um, Wait, oh, so the, you're saying according to Wikipedia... Initially, or... The fog, yeah. The fog did better than the creep show. Or up to now, or uh, initially. It's just at the box office, so I assume it's initially, right? Yeah, uh, it's probably initially. Yeah, huh. it, I don't it know. Because it could have uh, retroactively become bigger than creep show. Maybe. Maybe, I wonder if they're talking about uh, the, the remake of The Fog. Or, oh, God. Yeah, because <laughs> it, the thing not. is that um, <laughs> uh, John Carpenter had... The the original. Yeah, well, see, John Carpenter had hit after hit after hit, and then The Fog, which was a moderate hit, wasn't as big as the others. That's, uh, that's why. But, yeah, if, the, if Wikipedia says All it, right, it must be it. false. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in answer to your question, I mean, it, it just it alternates. Some, sometimes it's Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing, yeah. you know, and Creepshow, Escape. Uh, it, it's uh, now the curly perm. Was that your natural hair, or was yes, that that's your natural? That's hair? my natural yes, hair. Yes, gorgeous head of hair. <laughs> yeah. If I had all the money I've spent to keep it straight oh, and keep beautiful. it, you know, uh, <laughs> I should have gone to cosmetology school early on so yeah. I could take care of it myself. So healthy know? and glossy. And thank you. And thank when you. did you realize that you, the cadence of your voice was special? Because actually on Maud, I, I, one of the first things I remember, aside from your bosom, was the, the, the cadence of your voice, how rich it is. Where does that come from? Now, you see... Uh, I always thought my, I, 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 I think my voice is low. I mean, I started out as a lyric soprano. You know? Really? Well, yeah, the, the song in, in, in uh, Fiddler in was, Fiddler, yeah. uh, you know. And I always thought my voice was really high-pitched. And then, of course, by the time I was doing Maud, I think in comparison to B, you know, I thought, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was a soprano. Yeah. <laughs> but in 1984, when Cody was born, and I know it was just right then because it was at a time when I thought, you know, I, don't, I can't work as much. I don't want to work. I'm not going to do AJ and the Queen and mm-hmm. work 17 hours a week, you know, or a day. Uh, I can't go to New York because John and I had separated right after Cody was born, and and I needed to stay here for Cody to be with his dad as mm-hmm. well. And so I thought, you know, just at the time when I was thinking, how am I going to make this work, work and still raise a child? Uh, I was approached by 
an agent from William Morris at the time, a voiceover agent who had heard me on $20,000 Pyramid mm. and said, I think you've got a great voice yeah. for doing commercials and, and all of that. Oh, okay, you know. So I started... So somewhere around 1984, I must have started using my voice yeah. and um, took some animation. Then I did study. I took some animation classes to learn. I don't do, you know, I mean, I, I, I can do the queen or the villain or yeah. I do a lot of video games and I'm, you know, the, I mean, it's this voice. I'm yeah. not going to do the seven-year-old girl with uh -huh. a cold, you uh -huh. know. <laughs> I'm not a real cartoon person, but... Um, uh, and then it just, I, I, Batman came along, and and I'm not sure I hear what other people hear, but I, well, you know what? The Fog, probably. That's, that's exactly, because it. she plays a, a DJ, oh, radio. a, a radio yeah. player, yes. who actually, whose voice yes. guides people that's, into... And so, and there was a very famous or well-known uh, disc jockey in New York, Named Allison Steele. Allison Steele, yeah. Remember? yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had heard her. And so I think in, I was sort of channeling Allison Steele when, yeah. when I did Stevie Wayne. Yeah. This is Stevie Wayne, your nightlight, or whatever yes. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. And so, maybe, so maybe John was the start of that, too. Yeah. I, uh, I want to talk about your books when we come back from this break. But just quickly, uh, uh, being directed by your husband, mm. uh, you know, um, is, is that difficult? Is it. It depends on which husband. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> but, you know, I met John first as a director. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with him first as a director. And he's fantastic. I mean, mm -hmm. I just, uh, you know, I, you trust him completely. Uh, and so I had no qualms about doing the fog. Plus, he had written the role for me, yeah. and and I think he wrote an escape. You know, I mean, I, he had Maggie. I mean, he had me in mind for yeah. for Maggie. Um, the only difference of opinion we ever had on either of those two films. Um, there's a scene in the fog after the driftwood has caught fire, uh -huh. and I put it out. Um, and we were getting ready to do that, and John said, "Okay, sit down, and we'll roll." And I said, sit down. Oh, John, uh, I, I, I don't think she'd sit down. She's, she's way too upset. And, and, you know, okay, stand up and we'll roll. <laughs> and that was, that was the end of it. That was it. good to me. We're going to go to break real quick. We've got Adrienne Barbeau. We'll be right back after this. Hey, let's talk about Squarespace. Now, you know, a lot of our listeners have used the Squarespace platform to create their own websites. So many people are happy with this gorgeous, gorgeous company. You know, we get a lot of emails from our listeners at RuPaulPodcast at gmail.com about their Squarespace websites. And I believe we have one right there. We do. And this one says, my name is Cody James, and I'm a new independent queer pop artist based in Los Angeles. Yay! And just created my artist website through Squarespace in a matter of minutes. Squarespace made it so easy and affordable to create. I would highly recommend using them to anyone I know. Thank you both for your amazing tips, tricks, and suggestions. Y'all are amazing. And uh, Cody's website is Cody James Music. Dot com. Cody's beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. You can get a free trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. And when you're blown away and ready to confirm a plan, just use the offer code RUE 
and get 10% off. Yes. Thanks again to Squarespace and keep sending in your websites to RuPaulPodcast at gmail.com. And before I close this out, I want to spell Cody, K-O-D-I, mm. Cody, K-O-D-I, jamesmusic.com. Anyway, that's our friends at Squarespace. Don't forget, offer code Ru. We have got Adrienne Barbeau with us. Now, a minute ago, we talked about uh, the books that she's written. She's written some uh, vampire uh, epics. Tell us about those. <laughs> Well, um, I, I started out, how much time have you got? Ah. We've got time. We've got time. I'm going to tell you a really fast story. Okay. Okay. Um, in 19, well, uh, somewhere around 1987, on the first day of preschool for my older boy, Cody, uh-huh. I met a woman who became my closest friend. Mm. She was a film editor, a woman named Suzanne Pettit. And Cody and her son became close friends, and Suzanne and I were, you know, I mean, we were, she was my closest friend. Mm -hmm. And Suzanne died in 1980, uh, I'm not going to get these Mm -hmm. dates right. Anyway, Mm -hmm. she died Mm -hmm. 1998 of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. On the first day of preschool for my younger boys, which was about four years later, Uh, a woman walked onto the campus who looked just like Suzanne, Mm -hmm. just like Suzanne, so much so that I blanched. I I Mm -hmm. remember reaching for something Mm -hmm. to hang on to. And she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm sorry. You just look like a friend of mine. She said, oh, who? I said, oh, you wouldn't know her. She's... uh, she was a film editor, and she was my closest friend, but she passed away from breast cancer a couple of years ago. And this woman, who looked just like Suzanne, said to me, oh, well... I'm a film editor, and I have breast cancer. What? We could be best friends. <gasps> wow. Yeah, that's... that's a, and I said, and you will appreciate this with your, your background in uh, metaphysics. Um, I said, what are you doing? Let's go have coffee. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure there was a part of me that thought, maybe, you know, this will fill the void yeah. or whatever. So we did. We went the next day, and we had a three-hour coffee, and, you know, talked about everything. And in the course of the coffee, she told me about a writer's group that she had attended that was um, led by a woman who had been on Broadway about the same time I had, mm-hmm. was a musical comedy star, or actress. Um, and I swear, Rue, I was probably 50 years old, 51. I didn't know people taught acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, taught writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew you could learn grammar and mm-hmm. spelling and all of that. But mm-hmm. I just thought you're either born Stephen King yeah. or you're not. You know, you're born with that gift or you're not. Yeah. I had always kept a journal. I had always written in my journal, but never, you know. As soon as this woman said this, I thought, this is Suzanne telling me I have to go and take this class. And so I did. I never in my life did it. And nine months later, I had an agent. I had a memoir. Uh, you know, all these stories, some of which I've told you here, mm-hmm. you know, marrying John or, you know, whatever, dating Burt Reynolds or, you know, uh, doing Grease and all of that. And... I got a, a, a publishing deal, and, and my first book was 
There Are Worse Things I Could Do, which was his oh, memoir. Of the song from yes. Greece. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, in my mind, is a direct result of this message that I got saying I should take this class. You know, an ongoing uh, dialogue we have in this podcast is uh, the idea of hearing the universe's stage direction and clearing a space in your consciousness for it when it happens, recognizing it. Uh, This was clearly a case of that. At what point in your life, or have you always been able to hear the universe's stage direction? Hmm. I've never thought of it that I mean, I thought of it in that way in terms of Suzanne, but oh, that's I'd have to give that some real thought. Yeah, I no, mean, it's I, I, I guess what I would say is I've maybe I could say I've always said yes. Well, okay, let me go back to I'm 19 years old. I'm I've finished touring the Orient with a musical comedy review for the state department playing to the armed forces. I I'm I'm going to college 2 days a week thinking I'll probably get my degree and teach acting and uh, an actress that I'm working with in a community theater production says to me, "You know, you should go to New York." You should go to New York and study because that's where all the good teachers are and, and you could learn to, you know, good singing teachers and everything. And I never knew people could earn a living as an actor. I mean, I, you know, but as soon as she said that, I thought, well, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll go and if nothing's happened by the time I'm 25, I'll go back to college and I'll get my degree and I'll teach. Mm. So maybe... You've always uh, just maybe done it, it intuitively. There. Because the thing is, most people actually will, they may say yes, but then they talk themselves out of it. That's been my experience, uh, that most people are big talkers, but they don't use the information they've collected to actually put it into play. Mm. And so to hear the story of Suzanne and uh, how this person appears in your life, and to know that, to, to be smart enough to know that there is information here. This is a clue. This is a clue. And you can't just let it just walk by. You know, they talk about in show business, people get big breaks all the time, but it's uh, uh, most people aren't prepared or they don't recognize these big breaks. You know, that's why it's interesting to me that you would do this because your, your life story is a very... Talk about a storied career. It's, and you're still here. It's amazing. You talk about dating Burt Reynolds or, <laughs> or, or being on Broadway with Bette Midler and this and that. And then uh, this is all beshared. It's all meant to be. And, but, and this is available to every human being who's listening to the show right now. Most don't act on it. They... They they uh, they follow the other voice to counter. Well, it's always the one they have their eyes on the prize of what they think is the prize. So when you focus so much on that, you miss all the yeah. gems that are right in front of exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. That's what yeah. it is. You can't you can't go through life with your eye on one thing. Yeah. Because you'll miss everything else. That's there. And then you had two twin boys four years after. Wait a minute. Okay. So you you. Uh, Okay, so when Cody was born, you split up with John Carpenter, and then five (laughs) years after that, you divorced. Yes, but you had babies in before the divorce. No, 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 no. My my boys were born. I 
I was 51 when the twins were born. Wow. I was I married that. to Billy yes. Van Zandt. Bill, Billy Van yeah. Zandt. Who you, yeah. Are you still married to him? No. Billy oh. and I separated. We separated four or five years ago, and we just we just got divorced. We're still very, very close. Mm-hmm. I see him almost every day. He comes over to help. He walks the dogs, uh-huh. and, you know, he's my go-to for, you know. I mean, yeah. He, he, we're... we're I, Love him dearly, but yes. we're just, we don't live together anymore. Yeah. We're not married anymore. Yeah. And so you have three boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so at 51, you had these other boys. Uh, was, that, was that difficult? Unreal. <laughs> was, you know, I, Billy had never had children. Uh, he's younger than I am. Um, I loved having children. Uh, Billy I, is Stephen Van Zandt's brother. Yes. 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 Um, and so, and I, I, why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. Let's, let's try. Yeah. We, we went through, you know, five years of trying and eventually, you know, we had to use fertility techniques mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you did it, but all of that. And, uh, yeah, it's the greatest I thing in my credit. life. Being after a 50 year old woman, I give you credit yeah. <laughs> for me. It's about patience because my daughters are 17 and 19, and the thought of doing that right now. Yeah, exactly. Different, we're different women at 50. Yeah. 51. You know, I don't, it is about patience, but I think in my case, it was about a total lack of imagination <laughs> because it never crossed my mind that, you know, when everybody else was retiring and taking world cruises and doing whatever people do when they go on vacation because they don't have kids. Uh, that I'd be, Newborns. you know, working to get yeah. the kids through college. Uh-huh. Or whatever. So now with, with the books, what are some of the titles of the vampire okay. no- novels? <laughs> so the reason, the way they, they came about is I was approached after the uh, memoir came out by a, an Irish author named Michael Scott, who said, you know, this is a fine book, but you wrote the wrong book. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you should be writing horror novels for your fan base, for oh, wow. your genre it's fan base. Brilliant. Very smart. He was a real salesperson. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I can write characters. I know I can write dialogue. I can write... But I, I'm not really a story person. I don't know, you know, I mean, this was a... I knew how the memoir came out. I knew all of these. He said, let's do it together. So Michael and I wrote the first one together. It's called Vampires of Hollywood. Mm. Uh, he sort of gave me the structure and the idea, and uh, then I took over, and, and pretty much it's all in my voice and created the characters and everything. And it's, um, she's a 450-year-old Armenian vampire mm-hmm. who is on this earth. Uh, she's a scream queen, and she runs a small film studio, and she's the Chatelaine of the Vampires of Hollywood, which include Orson Welles uh-huh. and Mary Pickford and uh, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. And uh, in the second second novel, which I wrote by myself, uh, I think we've got uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh-huh. and Elvis is in there. Oh, and, wow. um, so, so have you considered turning these into screenplays? The second novel, called Love Bites, Mm -hmm. uh, was optioned by a fellow named Harrison Smith, who just had uh, Death House come out. Uh Harrison uh, uh, wrote and directed, or co-wrote and directed Death House. And he optioned it, and then he came back to me and said, 
let's let's co-write the screenplay. So we did. I never in my life did I think I would write a screenplay because I don't understand, or I didn't think I understood that that you know version of writing yeah. uh, at all. But um, we did. We wrote that, and now he is. We've had some interest, and we're in the process. You know what that's like. I well, mean, yeah. if the money comes through, then it'll show up. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> but, but there's so many platforms for content to be seen or produced that uh, you know it could very easily be a streaming show. Yes, or, we've uh, been approached. Yeah, we, we, we've been in discussion with that too. A with web one of the series or a podcast yeah. series. You know, our producer here has had lots of success with, with horror with with podcast series. And what are those called? What what are um, give me a one-word answer. Horror podcast. Horror podcast. Horror podcast. Yeah, where yeah. you get a bunch of actors to people read the screen, and people love them. And that's another way for the studios to option. Uh, you know, uh, the Dear John uh, thing was a, a podcast. Uh, Dear John. What is it? Dirty John. Dirty John, Dirty John, John. was a podcast that was not, then turned into a series. So I suggest that you um, maybe get our producer's number and uh, perhaps uh, record it as a... Um, uh, a drama. A, a drama. A serial drama. A serial drama. Oh, for heaven's sake. For podcast. We're going back in time, AJ. Yes. We're going back in time. <laughs> Radio days. Radio drama. Yeah, you know. Uh, but the, it's, but that's what's so interesting about show business. If you stay in the game, if you're still interested in the game, there there becomes other ways to uh, to other platforms mm-hmm. to be creative in. Yes, you know, yeah. are you still excited about the game of of show, the business of show? Yeah, I am excited when the right words come along. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was just. Delighted and excited and proud and happy to be to be asked to do AJ and the Queen. I, yeah. and I'm and I've told everybody about it because I think Michael what Patrick you guys King. are doing. Oh, he's oh. just so incredible, so incredible. Those words and the wait, wait till you see it. There, there, there is so much depth and so much texture in this show with laughs and colors. And heart, yes. And this kid, man, yes. I, you know, I'm sitting, I'm with her the whole time, but it's not until I see her on screen, I see what she's doing. She believes every word she says, yes. every word, and I'm, I'm like, wow, amazing. So we're so happy to have you, and you're fabulous in this. Well, I'm just really looking forward to seeing it. I just and and. Um... I think you've got a huge hit on your hands. Well, that from your lips to God's ears, Adrian Barbo. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, I do. I'm serious. You should get Alex's number, uh, even if it doesn't work out with you. At least it gets the conversation going yeah. because this is a great oh, way for you to uh, for your books. To are the books available on Amazon? Yes. Yeah. And the yeah. first is the the, thir- vamp- the the first one is Vampires of Hollywood. The second one sort of my favorite, uh-huh. is Love Bites. Uh-huh. And the third one is Make Me Dead. And that is just released as, uh, as, a, for, as an e-book. Oh, I love uh, Do I, you do the dialogue? Do you read it yourself? No, uh, just for, as a digital book. Oh, as a digital book, yes. My, yes. Audio, my uh, memoir, uh, I did do the audio book for it. So that there are is, worse things yeah, I could uh, yeah. do. Yes, that's but it. if you go to Amazon, in fact, I think there, there is one compilation of there are worse things I could do. It's called Scream Queen Confidential 
two cups and I can't remember what uh-huh. it's called, but it's, it's two of the books and the memoir in a box set for probably seven bucks, you know, yeah. for, for, for an ebook. And, and a bargain <laughs> at that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining. I've been wanting you on this podcast thank for a long, so long time and you are just a joy. Love the stories. God bless your oh, boys you. and your Aww. family and everything. Thank you. Well, Michelle. Yes, baby. Until next time, you my got dear. It. Bye. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Amen. Hey, hey,